Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sports Great Fantasy podcast i am davis manic joined by mr patrick corain and uh look buddy training camps have started i think best ball mania is uh the fill rate has really started to accelerate i think everyone is just hungry for the draft right now we have a massive one million dollar prize pool coming up uh with with the puppy so it's draft season and uh it's time to give out the winners you know just pick the best plays structure doesn't matter correlation doesn't matter as i learned from my mentor david kitchen you know adp doesn't matter it's just just pick the best plays yeah i haven't listened to the adp uh swolecast episode yet but watching kitchen draft his first draft and tilting that you and pete had turned into adp bros is like the highlight of my summer so pretty excited to to see that one yeah you know we'll uh we'll see we'll see how it all plays out but uh i mean look we're we're here and uh, yeah, I think I think the easiest way to do this is we can just each uh, like at the onesie positions at quarterback and tight end, we can pick one dude and we can go over a couple of guys at running back and wide receiver. Um, and and let's uh, let's tilt this more towards manage too, since I think a lot of the the manage bros instead of the best ball bros are getting there because like there's definitely a difference, right? Like Nick Chubb is a guy you and I would never take and manage, but I take him sometimes in best ball. Same for Zeke. Same for Josh Jacobs. I've been I've been eating some Josh Jacobs discount because I've become such an ADP bro. I can't even believe I'm saying these words. Oh man, how much of a discount are we talking here? Like 10, 15 spots after ADP is the only time. I take Zeke sometimes at like 45, 46. That's fine. I I I mean, yeah, that's fine. I mean, what that's that's late fourth. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I'll take him occasionally. If I'm occasionally taking Zeke, then I can't really push back that he's undervalued because I would never take him unless he was undervalued. <laughs> so uh, I, I think the best I think the best place to start is let's just go at quarterback. And I, I think we're both going to have the same guy, one Mr. Trey Lance, quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers is, is my answer. So I have two answers. My Trey Lance and Daniel Jones are my two guys. Obviously, the Daniel Jones one is really thin. But if he runs for, let's say he averages 35 rushing yards per game and Wandale and Tony and Galladay are all good, Daniel Jones doesn't even have to improve enough that the Giants want to give him another contract to be a top 10 fantasy quarterback, I don't think. Yeah, I I don't know about top 10 for Daniel Jones, um, but they're they're going to pass a lot more and they're going to pass in a way that actually suits Jones and Joe judge is just such a donkey that, uh, you know, like I think they were probably worse off after they fired Jason Garrett. Uh, Cause we got our boy kitchens there. Uh, so yeah, there, it should be a huge improvement. I think Trey Lance is, is the guy. I mean, the only issue with Trey Lance as a league winner pick is that you're potentially looking at him getting a lot more expensive here. 
you know, I've been saying, I think we're still looking at a little bit of a Jimmy G discount. Uh, that's obviously going to go away really fast. If I was right, that there was one, um, if his ADP moves up, like I could see him potentially being more expensive than Burrow. Oh, I think, I think he should be more expensive than Burrow. And I think he will get there. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's at that price, you know, you need, you need more from him and just, you know, just not as good of a bet. So I think he's really the league winner. If you can get him now, if you're, if you're a managed league, bro, just starting to fire off your, your main events or your football guys or whatever. I, I do think Lance is a really nice target, especially if you don't have a bunch of them at best ball. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think the thing with Lance, I mean, we can just talk through it a little bit and you guys did a good, I, I think Gretch was the one who kind of started this conversation on ship chasing like a month ago. Just if you, if you start to do the work of projecting him and you're using anything close to his rush rates from last season, I, I mean, we're talking like he literally, and I think by the, the, that's how the 49ers are going to win games. I don't think turning Jimmy Garoppolo into like, or uh, turning Trey Lance into Nick Mullins is like their most effective way of winning. Um, like I think having him rush like 15 times a game, as long as his body is holding up to it is, is probably the best way to use him at this stage in his career. And, you know, I think probably organizationally, the hope is he runs a lot when his body is young. And I, he, he would have been the youngest quarterback drafted in this most recent draft other than Matt Corral, right? So younger than Pickett, younger than Ritter, younger than all, younger than Malik Willis, for example. And, you know, you he runs 150, 180 times this season, and the passing stuff sort of develops, as would probably be their hope, I would guess. Yeah, we, the beautiful thing about Lance is that he can be kind of like Jalen Hurts was last year as a passer and still be a league winner, because the rates that he was running at were so off the charts that, you have to like regress him substantially. And then he's like kind of where Lamar Jackson was last year. You know, it's like, and not just in design runs, but scramble rate, his scramble rate was super high as well. So, I mean, that shows you that the 49ers are looking to involve him as a rusher and that he's looking to make plays on his own. Both of those are great signs. I don't think he's the rusher that Lamar Jackson is obviously like no one is, but you know, like with running backs, like so much of this rushing stuff just comes down to, to volume. So if he's running a ton. Um, well, he's also, the it's, offense it's, around that. it's like a different, it's like a different type of rushing, right? Lamar is like, you want to get him in space. Lamar is like never getting squared up. Lance is, I would not that he is ever going to be this good. Cause I don't think he will, but it's more of like a Cam Newton style. Like he's getting you five yards, no matter what the blocking is like. Cause he's just so big and strong and he's going to be, really good near the goal line. I I would say Cam Newton's best season as a rusher is sort of like the 90th percentile Trey Lance season where they're just like it's first and it's it's you know goal to go from the third yard line we call QB power and Lance is just getting there like every time. I don't know if he has that same like you know Lance is on or uh Cam Newton's almost like a, a D end linebacker or something where you're just like this guy this guy's not someone you want to tackle. I don't know if Lance has that quite mindset but i i, I agree he's, that it's he's not big Lamar he's big enough style. he's big enough i i don't know i don't know enough and about like you know it's not like i'm deep in the trey lance film but he's he's a big dude he's big yeah i kind of think of him as hurts is like a rusher too i mean he's very hurts like you know yeah. he's gonna be somewhat erratic as a passer probably but he is willing to take shots deep i think it'll be kind of an interesting 49ers passing game because we should see some bigger plays downfield along the sidelines not so much kind of over the middle you know 
like yards after the catch stuff on, on crossing routes, like you saw so much with Jimmy G. Um, but, you know, that that profile fits pretty nice with a rushing floor, right? If we know we're, we're going to get most weeks a lot of rushing volume and then he connects for a few big plays downfield, all of a sudden you have a really nice fantasy week. Yeah. Uh, do you do you have anyone else that you think merits consideration? Well, I can't believe you left me this guy, Patrick Mahomes. Well, I mean, I don't know. He, he, obviously, yes, he does. Like he he will be that guy. I mean, he could. But is is being drafted as the quarterback five and turning in the quarterback one season is that a league winner? I guess that might be aided by the fact that it it feels like the draft just really falls off right where the quarterbacks start to go. Like Lamar, Lamar and Mahomes in particular feel like great picks because it feels like the opportunity cost is maybe lower than on an average season. I hate the seventh round this year and, and really kind of the mid six through like the whole seventh. I just don't I don't like the seventh round in managed league, league drafts. And in our most recent main event, we've done two so far. Mahomes went at the 703. He went after Kadarius Tony and right before Hunter Renfro. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, feels that, like that, you that could does, get a that, there. That feels that you're right. You're right. And I'm not. I'm not done a main yet. But you're right. That I mean, that does feel. Uh, it almost feels like not real that that's something you can actually do. Yeah, it's wild. That is. Um. Yeah. So I, I will co-sign. I will co-sign that. I mean, <laughs> and I, we've we've talked we've talked about this before. Like it's going to go down as like an. It, likely, it is going to go down as like an all-time historical oddity. One that Mahomes goes so late. And two, that you can get his pass catchers after you draft him, right? You know, look at look at Herbert, look at Josh Allen. Like, if you want to get their pass catchers, you, you have to draft them beforehand, right? You got to draft Diggs beforehand. You have to draft Mike Williams and Keenan Allen beforehand. And that is... Even if you want Russ's guys, you got to get them beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Like, so we're that excited is... about Denver, but you're drafting two Broncos before you get Russ, just, just Kelsey before Mahomes. Uh, I guess Juju sometimes goes ahead of him but yeah it is uh it is insane i mean i think i think yeah we are we are in alignment there i i don't know what direction you are going to go with running back though so so our running back league winners uh you know this this year's answer to leonard fournette and james connor who were two really those those were really the guys last year who were who were your answers i'll start with rashad white who i've just been hammering yeah best ball drafts but I think is an even better pick in managed leagues because his profile is one where we're, I mean, if Leonard Fournette like twists his ankle or, you know, pulls his hamstring is out for like a week, he's Rashad White's going to be one of the most easy starts all season that week. I mean, he's just going to be uh, such a plug and play starter, uh, not because he's going to absorb the full Leonard Fournette role, but because, he is a really electric pass catcher, hyper efficient in college. That's, uh, you know, kind of where he's special and he's got enough size to be kind of a lead back. And according to beat reporters, he's already the number two back ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn. I don't know if GR, Gio Bernard will even make the team. So uh, I think he would he would basically lead a committee with Fournette out. But even with Fournette in, I think he's going to see work on early downs as a pass catcher. Um, and potentially early downs just in general. So he could have standalone value, uh, maybe not a ton at first, but maybe working into to some okay standalone value. And then I think probably the most 
contingent value in the league outside of probably Tony Pollard. Yeah. I mean, Tony Pollard is like, I mean, he obviously he deserves to be on this list regard like, you know, of a league winner list, but it is, it, I mean, it's almost all contingent. Value. I guess he did have a good season last year, but it's like, um, he's maybe a better in best ball type guy where it's like, you're not going to ever like, you don't know what game the Cowboys are going to win by 20 and Pollard's going to be in there in mop up duty or the game where Pollard houses a 60 yard screen pass or whatever. Whereas in best ball, it's just, a, you're, you're going to get those points. Yeah. I, I mean, I, there's the same argument for Pollard where, you know, in the weeks where you're starting Pollard, he's such a clear cut start that he does make sense to have sure. in managed leagues, but he's just expensive is really what it comes down to for me. I mean, he's gone and he went in the seventh round of this same main event. Uh, he went ahead of CEH, which I'm fine with, but you know, no, it, no, it's still, it's still, no, expensive. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot co-sign this. No, it's totally fine. I mean, I, I, I actually think if I didn't have the history that I had with Clyde Edwards Hilaire, there's an argument for him being a league winner. Because if he is, if he is just the 70 30, you know, whether that 30 be with Ronald Jones, whether that 30 be split between McKinnon and Ronald Jones, uh, I mean, his price tag makes no sense. Right. And, and, you know, we do see this happen quite often in fantasy where people just declare, like, I'm done with this guy. You know, this guy screwed me over so much, which is why his ADP is what it is. And, you know, getting benched in the Super Bowl for because he's bad, and this, he's bad. Sure, but Zeke is also <laughs> bad. I mean, Zeke is all Zeke has been yeah. bad for the last two seasons, and he is a fourth round pick. Yeah, that's that's true. Although the, Zeke the, the did have like a torn PCL or something. Well, the difference is is the Chiefs have never shown, or the Cowboys have never shown any attention uh, or any intention of going away from him when he's available. Whereas Ch has just been stone benched you know, multiple times in his multiple time for multiple different players. And uh, Zeke at one time was good. Like there's something to look back sure. to with Zeke and be like, he, what if he recaptures this form? Um, which is someone who's fading both guys, you know, makes me want to get a little bit more of a Zeke hedge than a, than a CEH hedge. Although yeah. CEH, you know, when he drops enough, I, I have taken him, I will say. Yeah. So I agree. I, uh, I do agree with the Rashad white call. He is like my sixth most drafted running back in underdog, but Tyrion Davis price is, I think Mm. probably, uh, the, you know, the combination of cost, the combination of, you know, the team that he plays for and, and all that stuff. It's like, I would take any 49ers running back who I think is young and in shape and like the coaches don't hate at that. Like if, if, Honest, honestly, if, if they came out and started like talking positively about Trey Sermon, like I might start taking Trey Sermon a little bit. I think Jeff Wilson Jr. is a, like a very fine 18th round pick. Yeah. The, the difference is I would expect TDP to be similar to what kind of happens in general with rookie players where they're not really a part of the plans to begin with. Honestly, not that dissimilar from Ramondre last year where he was even inactive for a stretch. But when it comes down, you know, when the how old is jeff wilson jr 30 you know it's like it's like so so he he might maybe maybe i'm lying but i i could definitely be lying he's 26 he turns 27 in november that is amazing i would have i would have wagered Mm -hmm. i would have guessed him closer to mark ingram's age honestly it just feels like he's been on the 49ers for as long as i can remember Um, because 49ers time goes by so fast like if you're there a season it's like you know if if they've been there two years it's like oh man right that is that is an old veteran that is true. So 
basically it comes down to the teams already like we're already getting good buzz whereas we were getting nothing but bad buzz on trey sermon right it was it was not good yeah on trey yeah. sermon um and the the other weird thing is normally when a rookie who's like cost controlled like eli mitchell comes off a season like that you'll get the opposite you'll get the you know the cj spiller's quote we're, we're gonna feed him till he pukes and then we end up being disappointed when he's in a timeshare but they have been they've done the exact opposite they've said we got to work in these other guys we're worried about his ability to hold up you know we okay which actually makes sense for them to go back to what they've normally done so mm-hmm. eli mitchell eli mitchell took over all the roles right he could when he was active last year it was like we don't want to play sermon jeff wilson jr's knees are bothering him jamichael hasty had a high ankle sprain so he just played all the roles, but it would actually make more sense for them to use a bigger bodied guy in kind of that traditional Tevin Coleman, Carlos Hyde. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm forgetting guys. Cause again, it's the 49ers. There's been a million of these guys and then have Eli Mitchell play the most role, which is what he is like more sort of used to, to playing and performing in. So TDP, uh, I, I, my most drafted guy, and if it doesn't, if again, you know, if it doesn't work out, whatever, like you're, you're cutting him. And I, I do think that's part of the league winning calculus is like what happens when it doesn't work out? What does that do to your roster? Yeah. I would have liked to have had Ramondre in this discussion, but he is getting pumped. I mean, he, right. he is going to be he is going to be a top 100 pick like by the end of the week. We took him in the main event at the 9-11. Yep. So, yeah, you're going to have to pay up for Ramondre. And that, that obviously comes with some risk. We we got in this main event, we got Tyrion Davis Price at the 12.02. So way, way more manageable there. <clears throat> I'm with you on TDP. I think one of the one of the bullish indicators uh you know may be that I am completely in on him when I, I actually don't think he's a very good prospect. Yeah, I don't think uh, he, I don't think he's very good either. Yeah. And normally with those types of guys, I'm I'm pretty skittish. Like I'm not drafting a ton of Brian Robinson, which could burn me. But I just don't think Brian Robinson is really anything special. The opportunity intrigues me more in San Francisco with Tyrion Davis Price. And I, you know, he doesn't do a lot of the things I like. He's not a pass catcher, didn't have really any kind of breakaway ability in college. But this system we know is is very good at reliably producing efficient rushers. Um, his I've heard some good uh, tape evaluations on him as kind of like a move the chains type of guy. I, That's exactly. I kind of I kind of got that. I kind of got that same vibe. I, I what's the name of the athlete? I forget. I forget. There there's a good guy on the athletic who does some of these t- film evaluations. Ted Wynn does. That's him. Ted Ted Wynn. So he did a good piece because he's local. He lives in San Francisco, and he did a good piece on being like this is what the 49ers see and Tyrion Davis price, which is basically like it's second and four. We got this young quarterback, you know, we're not going to be taking shots in a lot of these situations. This is a good spot to just get five yards with him. And that's kind of what his role is going to be. Yeah. And, and Chris Sims actually had him as his number five running back specifically. Cause he was like, this dude moves the chains. You know, I usually go for the, the more explosive guys, but he's just so good at that. And then it's like, he's in that exact role. Like that's, so that's, I like when guys it's like, the prospect evaluation says he's going to do this really well. And then, you know, he's in that exact role. That's obviously setting him up for success. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's just kind of like so evident that there is going to be this role because, you know, to your point last year with Elijah Mitchell, like Debo Samuel was in a, in a committee, like they, they will have another back 
even if that back is a wide receiver, uh, splitting time with Elijah Mitchell. So there's opportunity here. Uh, you know, Trey Sermon getting a little bit of buzz now isn't like ideal for no, Tyrion Davis no, price. It's not. Yeah. But I mean, at this price in managed, he makes just all the sense in the world. If it doesn't end up being him, you can cut him, move on. Sermon is probably gonna be on waivers. Um, you know, Jeff Wilson doesn't always get drafted. So it's just, it's the highest upside way to play it. I think. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have any honorable mentions? Um, I will, uh, wait, where did I put it? I just had someone. Oh, so this is like a deep cut, but I think for managed league season, cause I, I actually don't have a ton of this guy in best ball, though. I, I want to correct that when I start drafting again, uh, heavy, but Dearness Johnson, yeah, I think Good makes shout. so much sense for managed leagues. Uh, we did get him in this main event in the at the fifteen eleven. Um, <clears throat> I mean, you're gonna know like you're drafting early, right? You almost want guys that you, you might can even know. Cut. You might even know before the season starts. You, I think you will, yeah, because I think he, I think he's getting traded, and people are like, oh, where is he gonna get traded to? It's not like what New Orleans is that the best case scenario? Last year, we were bidding on Tyson Williams yeah. before the season because J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL, then Gus Edwards tore his ACL, then, just, then Justice Hill tore his Achilles. Like, some crazy stuff is going to happen over the next three, four weeks, unfortunately. But, like, things are going to happen, and I think there's going to be situations where Dearness Johnson would suddenly look extremely attractive if he were to go there. It's also possible that Kareem Hunt gets traded, leaving Dearness Johnson as the number two in Cleveland. So, you know, that wouldn't be as juicy, you know, compared to maybe him being in a, in a lead back role somewhere else, potentially or leading a committee or something. But the basic, the bottom line is that Dearness Johnson is essentially free and he's really good. I think he was second in rush yards over attempt, rush yards over expected per attempt last season. Rashad Penny led the league. Jonathan Taylor was third. Nick Chubb was fourth. Tony Pollard was fifth. As I like this metric a lot. And Dearness Johnson crushed it. He actually led PFF's rushing grades. Uh, he just had an incredible season last year. Uh, and it's, you know, he, he's completely blocked in Cleveland, but betting on that to change when this is a team that could need to, or be very interested in moving off of running backs on one-year deals, which, which he is, he signed a restricted free agent tender. Uh, if, uh, their quarterback suspended for the entire season. So there's there's a couple things, the chaos that a couple ways that the chaos of the training camp could uh, make Johnson's situation much, much better. Yeah. I mean, I think a couple of the other guys who who I could see just stone cold uh burying me. I mean, one, David Montgomery. David Montgomery, if the Bears are competent, if they are the 17th best offense in football. I could see. I no, I don't think that's going to happen. But I, it, it feels like he could be. So so far in the show, you floated Ch Dave Montgomery and off air admitted to drafting Josh Jacobs. What's going on with you, man? Well, I mean, what's really going on with me is that I am drafting so much that I I think I can't afford to just not be taking some of these guys <laughs> who might get three hundred touches when they fall after ADP. Like I think taking massive massive stands when they fall is is bad. I don't I don't think. Montgomery can really bury me because I don't think the Bears can be good enough on offense, but it's out there. And then uh, honorary mention for me for Corderell Patterson, because just looking at this mm. offense, I don't really see any way they can avoid getting him the ball a minimum of 150 times. 
Like you, you'd have to have like a Brian Edwards breakout season. And also looking at like running back, like what's more overrated than a fourth round rookie running back. Like Tyler Allegier just like might not even play. He might just be CP and Damian Williams, you know, Damian Williams has been getting a little buzz. Uh, it's well, not... why, why would Damian Williams not be the starting running back for the Falcons? Honestly. Well, cause he hasn't really played football in two seasons and Tyler Algier might be a better fit for the, the scheme. I mean, so we're getting into Atlanta Falcons scheme fits here on the program. It's like, it's like, I mean, Mike, they, they gave, they gave Mike Davis like 250 touches last year. You know, it's like, they don't care. Well, they, I think they do care because they phased him out uh, at the end of the season. But I, I agree with you about Patterson. Like, I don't think Patterson needs to be a running back. Like, what if Patterson is the starting slot receiver, more or less? Obviously, he's going to get some work out of the backfield. But what if he's the Falcons' we, Debo Samuel is what I hear you saying? I mean, what if he's their Wandale Robinson? Oh, buddy. <laughs> buddy. The Wandale, you hear that drum beat? Do you hear yeah, that drum beat? Do you hear I it? I sure do. It's <laughs> oh, loud. Buddy. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, we're feeling we're feeling really good about our about our Wandale bags. Um, that's it. Yeah. That's it for me at running back, though. Uh, also, Christian McCaffrey. By the way, I mean the fact that you can still get him at the third pick every once in a while. Like I have sixteen percent Christian McCaffrey on underdog because I'm so that's, jealous. That's been available. Like it's it's insane though. And and I was talking about this on the Swolecast yesterday. I've been. I just said, you know what? I'm taking him over Jonathan Taylor. I don't care anymore. I just I just want to get as much CMC as possible. And maybe it doesn't work out. And maybe I get buried. But the ability to have a bunch of the number one player in football seems like a huge edge. Yeah, I need to fix that. I I don't have. I just haven't gotten a bunch of early picks. So uh, I think I'm like underweight. Uh, I'm definitely underweight McCaffrey, and I think I'm underweight Cup, and I believe I'm underweight Taylor. So give me some more picks. Yeah, um, we we got to get you some influencer one hundred and ones. I'll send I'll send Rudman a message. <laughs> uh, what about Daryl Henderson? Is a potential league winner. I mean, I think he is more of a, I, and we did I did the zero RB show with Kyle Dvorak earlier in the week, and we talked about him a good bit. I don't, I think that we saw him be so fragile last year as a starter. Like, I don't think he's got the James Conner season from last year in his range, but I think yeah, he's I, got, I think he's got really good running back to every week starter and managed with a little bit of standalone value. I mean, because he, the last time we saw the Rams play, he was the third down back, right? Acres just, they just could, he just didn't have the mobility to do it. Now he's got another, what, seven months recovered from this Achilles injury. So maybe he will be better. Um, but it's like, they, they moved on from Sonny Michelle and Kyron Williams broke his foot. So it's like, uh, that's another, I meant to mention this on the show with Kyle, which is like when evaluating zero RB candidates, like be aware of the quality of the third back, because that is so important for the contingent value. And the Rams have no third back. They just like, they like literally yeah. who is it? I, I don't even know. I guess it's funk. Cause Kyron Williams has a broken foot. Yeah. So, feel feel pretty good about Daryl Henderson but I I think they would just play someone they would they would get someone off the street whatever were were acres to get injured I don't think they want him to play 80% of the snaps again maybe I'm wrong that's fair that's fair Sony Michelle is also a, a honorable mention uh just reading about Moster I'd forgotten that it was uh cartilage that he shipped from his knee you don't get cartilage back cartilage it's like once it's gone it's gone that's what happened to Todd Gurley so and he's 31 
So I was like, maybe I'm drafting too much Mostert and not enough Sony Michelle here. I think they're I think they're both fine just because Chase Edmonds has had a bunch of opportunity like not a I guess not a bunch but a decent amount of opportunities to earn larger playing time and he's mostly been underwhelming and proven to be really good as like your change of pace space back but not really good as the only guy. Yeah, fading fading Chase Edmonds is how we found Connor last year. So now I can do it at a cheaper price with Michelle. Yeah, that's a good point. Um all right, wide receiver. I mean, I, I like this I think this is the wide receiver question is harder because it's not just like, oh, well, this guy could play a lot more. It is this guy's got to play a lot better and it's got to it's got to happen for him in a certain way. Like who is this year's Cooper Cup is like a really hard decision. Uh, but uh, what's your what's your take? I'm just like swimming upstream here uh, with some very, very smart people saying I should not be doing it. But I'm t- I'm taking A.J. Brown, man. I'm drafting who, AJ Brown. Who is who is anti AJ Brown? Levitan and Silva aren't, aren't huge well, fans. Danny hey, Carter, maybe, not, not maybe a huge tell fan. Them, maybe tell them to watch the games, bro. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You know, it's like this Eagles offense could be super run heavy. There's better target competition in Philadelphia than he had in Tennessee. Uh, the quarterback play might be worse. So, like, all in all, you know, there's lots of reasons to think this could be a big downgrade, but. No, I, First I think of all, I think this is a bad. T- I think the AJ Brown faders are in for a world of hurt. Well, I sure hope you're right, Davis, because he is my second highest owned receiver in Best Ball Mania. Wow. First, obviously, being Julio Jones. Uh, so you know, I'm I'm pretty pretty leveraged here on you're, AJ you're, Brown. You're rich in Sklansky bucks. Oh, I'm so rich with my uh my closing line value on Julio Jones. I might as well might as well stop drafting. I mean, AJ uh, Brown, AJ Brown, I think has number one overall wide receiver in his range of outcomes for, for a couple of reasons. The first reason being the Eagles have done all this talk all off season about how they want to be more pass heavy. I think they clearly backed that up by trading for AJ Brown, right? Because now instead of Jalen Hurts running around with, you know, rookie Devonta Smith and a bunch of Nova, I mean, Greg Ward is involved, you know, it's like JJ, I think a white side was earning snaps last season now they know exactly who their personnel is. And I don't know, are they going to keep doing this rotational shit where they take AJ Brown off the field for Jalen no. Rager? I, I don't I actually didn't so. do that a lot last year. I was, I was uh, two years ago, I was tilting because they kept rotating their wide receivers and no one had a full-time role last year. They didn't really do that. And as it turns out, it's probably because it, they were, doing they were that. bad. They were all bad and they like, couldn't figure out like they were playing Jonathan uh, Hightower, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, like partly they were rotating to get Quez on the field, who turned out to be the best of the bunch. So, uh, in retrospect, I owe the Eagles coaching staff an apology for uh, for my rants. <laughs> yeah, but but now they have good eleven personnel. Quez Watkins, fine field stretcher. Devonta Smith, they'll be able to use him in some more creative ways. AJ Brown can play anywhere. He can be big slot. He can play the perimeter. He can be the flanker. Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders, and then Kenneth Gainwell on passing downs. I mean, it is easy. I. I and and I also believe in Jalen Hurts, and I know maybe that maybe that's some of the pushback is these guys just think Jalen Hurts stinks. I totally don't think that. I think that is a bad opinion, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to get a second contract from the Eagles, which definitely is not a majority opinion. No one no one thinks the Eagles are giving Jalen Hurts a second contract. Yeah, and I would also I, I do I, I'm with you on that, um, but. Yeah, obviously it comes down to his play this year, but I think they're setting him up for success. And uh, I think he can capitalize. 
some of the weaknesses on Hertz could be weaknesses of his receiving core, which has been, you know, quite bad in 2020 and still not great last year. No, I bad think last because, year. Rookie, rookie Devonta yeah. Smith, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins. Well, he's know, got Goddard. Goddard's, Goddard's good. Goddard's good, but for a tight end to be a true difference maker in terms of like YPA, like for the offense, it's like you have to be like Kelsey Gronk level. Yeah. Like like Jimmy Graham passing offenses were not good for stages of his career, and he's going to go in the Hall of Fame, you know? Yeah. And I think having Devonta Smith, not just as a rookie, but as a deep threat, wasn't good. And he wasn't really a deep threat in college, and he wasn't that great. No, Hen- last year. Henry Ruggs and, and what's the other guy's name who I'm forgetting completely right now, who just went in the first round this year? Uh, Jameson Williams. Jameson Williams. Though, like, though, well, I guess they, those guys didn't. Those guys didn't overlap at all. Jameson Williams wouldn't have. But yeah, Devonta Smith, like Devonta Smith, did not play uh, like the nine route role at Alabama. That wasn't really his thing. No. Yeah. So he comes in as as a, a rookie, and they need him to be the deep threat. He's good enough at it. I think AJ Brown will take take some of that load. I think Quez Watkins. It'd be pretty interesting if Brown gets some slot reps because that means Quez Watkins might be kind of the the nine route burner on the outside. Uh, he was playing a lot out of the slot last year, um, but yeah, I think you know just overall this offense is set up so much better where everyone's kind of in the right roles where Jalen Hurts can really improve on you know like oh the deep ball connection like we all we all saw that Jalen Rager is like brutal drops on deep throws last year. You know, there's I was you know, it, it was like he was, it's like but, he was point shaving. Yeah, seriously. So, yeah, I mean, Hertz, Hertz isn't super accurate deep. I'm not like saying like, oh, it was all the receivers and, you know, but I think there's more that we can get out of Hertz as a passer because the the weapons are now good. I mean, he's got an elite weapon in A.J. Brown and uh, Devontae Smith had a good rookie year, could have a breakout second year. So, you know, all of a sudden the, the receiving core can go from like, you know, a well above average, I would say. So if the passing offense is potent, we should see more passing. I don't think they're philosophically committed to having this super rush run heavy attack like the Titans do, like the 49ers do, like the Ravens do. Yeah. I think we could see them lean into it. They certainly did to start the year last year. Uh they and honestly, like what it showed me last year was this is a team willing to experiment. You've got super pass heavy early, super run heavy for a stretch, kind of came back a little bit closer to balanced. Uh, I think overall they'll be somewhat run heavy in 2022, but we could see them shift. Like if they're in a shootout, I don't think they're like, this isn't like a Seahawks type of or or Vikings type of mindset where it's like, we must prevent shootout no matter what, like they'll lean into it at times, I think. So we should have some fun Eagles games, even if overall they're a bit run heavy. Yeah. Uh, My answers are Elijah Moore. Kadarius Tony and Juju Smith Schuster. I think they're all they're all sort and they all sort of fit uh, a similar mold. Like one, they're going to play some of their snaps out of the slot, which I think is almost a prerequisite now for being a league winner because you just got to get like three easy catches a game, right? That was so much of what like obviously Cooper Cup was incredible and was beating guys down the field, but like also some of Cooper Cup's point scoring were some of the easiest plays you've ever seen in your life like Mm -hmm. they would run that play where he motions out of the backfield and like he would just be completely uncovered and you got to get some of that 
because <laughs> football is hard. It's a, just very hard. You know, these guys have a difficult job. And I think all of those guys, uh, Smith Schuster might be a full-time slot guy. Um, he'll, he'll probably rotate a little bit. They'll, they'll move him around. I mean, he, he did both in Pittsburgh. Uh, Tony did both, uh, you know, in, in college. I mean, what a weird college career Kadarius Tony had, but the, the Tony one is basically a bet that the giants bring over a lot of that stuff from the bills and that his college, uh, his prospect profile is wrong. And the production he was able to generate as a rookie is more indicative of the player he is. And then Elijah Moore is a, both a bet on his talent and on the, the Jets just being a lot better. You know, they they sign the left tackle. They move Mackie Becton to right tackle. They draft Garrett Wilson. You know, they sign a, a really good blocking tight end in Tyler Conklin. You know, it's going to be Brees Hall instead of Ty Johnson and Tevin Coleman. Like, they're, they're kind of, honestly, the Jets very similar to what the Eagles are doing. Like, they want to get the answer on is Zach Wilson their guy, so they're giving him all the tools and I think all of those guys are extremely good picks in best ball or managed. And um, if, if Tony's not the guy, then Wandale will be, you know? Yeah. And Wandale's kind of a fun late round pick as well. Um, I like the Tony one, especially I, I actually feel like I need to kind of get higher on Tony for the purposes of managed leagues than I have been in best ball because in best ball, that downside that he gives you, it hurts a little bit more where he's going, I think. Where he's cut or traded or, yeah. Or or, just, or or just benched for Slayton. Yeah, because he's, I mean, he's that's kind of his deal. He got ejected from his breakout game, you know? He's that kind yeah, of, isn't that, that, isn't that so funny? He's, he goes for like 10 and 150 and then gets ejected. Yeah, that kind of sums up the whole thing. But I, you know, that that archetype is so much more appealing to me than you know, if he wasn't all that talented, you know what I mean? Like, give me the, give me the talent. And then I mean, I, I will, I will just say, I thought Tony was a shit prospect. Don't own him in any dynasty leagues. Like just was not into it. And like literally watching that dude play like one game as a pro, I was like, you know what? I'm wrong. Like this dude is just, he's just disgusting. Like the way he can move. And I, I mean, I guess, you know, people listening to this would be like, uh, well, we all told you this. You just got to watch the games, bro. It's like, well, I didn't. I didn't watch. And also guys can look great in college. Vizca Chenault looked great in college. <laughs> yeah. Getting open at will in the NFL is not the same as looking good at Florida. It's just not. So, you know, yeah. I think the the tape watchers would say like, you know, well, we, we knew he was so good that this would translate and you're right. It did translate. But I also think the reasons that he didn't play a ton at Florida until his senior year also translated. <laughs> like there's some real questions about, you know, is he, not just like with the coaches and, you know, kind of personality wise, but leads me to wonder, like, is this, is he going to be like, have total mastery of the playbook? And is he always going to be running the exact right route? Is he kind of more of a freelancer? Cause that was sort of the story on him coming in. It's just, you know, just this natural talent that, you know, can kind of do his own thing at times. Um, But I think it's super interesting. He is playing with the ones right now. And so is Wandale Robinson, which means Kadarius Tony's playing on the outside which is a, like I've been talking about him as kind of a Deontay Johnson type dude, you know, like he's going to get open quickly on the outside. That is a very appealing archetype with Daniel Jones. So I'm, yes. I'm very much into the, the Kadarius Tony pick. I think, you know, if you see him, uh, if he's a guy you need to cut, that's going to hurt in like the seventh round. But 
you know, it's going to maybe leave less of a hole on your team than it would on a best ball roster. And compared to a guy like Devontae Smith, like Elijah Moore. Even, like like Devontae Smith think, doesn't even have, cannot even sniff the upside, I think, is, unless A.J. Brown gets hurt that Kadarius Tony has. Well, yeah, unless unless uh, A.J. Brown gets hurt. But they could have the same stats and Tony you'd still much rather have because – Because of the spikes. Because of the – well, I just think Devonta Smith's going to have the lows. You're Right? Like, sure. Are we going to feel confident about he's, plugging he's Devontae Smith in? He's going to have some two for 20s. Yeah. Right. And I think – I actually think Tony will be more consistent because because he, he's just going to be a target earner. Um. So I actually think Smith maybe is the spikier guy, but yeah, you're, you're, you're um, not in on the Elijah Moore call. Well, so I like Garrett Wilson so much. So it makes me hard to be, he was a guy, he was one of the guys I was going to say, um, my other two would be, uh, see, I think Garrett Garrett Wilson Wilson and and Burks Garrett Wilson being really good is I think actually just good for Elijah Moore. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a T Higgins, Jamar chase scenario, you know, like, obviously I don't think that, that either of them are that good because those guys are, probably the best one-two combo in football right now but like clearly t higgins being a guy who demands like solid defensive attention and and getting open it's like clearly that benefited chase right it definitely definitely did but in a joe burrow offense i I don't know if it's going to be as good for these two well zach wilson's got to make he's got to make a huge step right he's got to go he's got to make the josh allen year one to year two step where he goes from looking horrible to like, like people do sort of misremember the Josh Allen thing. They remember him becoming the MVP candidate after that. It didn't happen. He, he had a year where he was good. Right. So he had, a, he, there was, there was horrible, there was competent and then there was great. And yes. I think Zach Wilson, even if Zach Wilson's ceiling is competent, you know, Kirk cousins, the the 14th best quarterback or whatever, that's a huge win for, for Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, I think. Yeah, I, I do think there's scenarios where it's just you only want one of the guys. And sure. more going in the early sixth here in the first main event we did, um, it, that's just a lot more risk to take on. And you're getting Garrett Wilson so cheap. Um, we got him at the, at the first main event we did, we got him in the 905. I mean, that's a big, big discount. You know, uh, Garrett, Garrett Wilson might be might be better in best ball you know, because the scoring comes on late and the early scoring in managed leagues matters so much, right? But but both like 12 team home leagues where you're like have a trade deadline and you're trying to decide if your team's any good or not. And in the main event where the playoffs start in week 13, you know, half of Garrett Wilson's, half of Garrett Wilson's production might come after your team is dead. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I'm not saying not to take him just that I think he's probably slightly better in best ball. I agree with that. Um, but, you know, you get you have the playoffs in managed leagues as well. And, you know, he's the type of guy who could sure. have just a crazy good rookie year. Such a good prospect. I don't really understand why he gets, you know, the massive discount compared to, like, Drake London. Like, yeah, London is a guy who, like, theoretically I like, but no, no fucking way am I taking him <laughs> at these prices right now. Like, especially because... I don't see any way Pitts and London both get there. I think it's a total either or. The 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 Falcons are going to be so bad. And I know, like, we talked about this, like, a month ago, too. Like, you know, this is the type of season where everyone – you can be a little bit optimistic right now, right, when training camp starts before you see how bad yeah. some of the guys look. But it's like I can't even paint a picture of the Falcons being the 17th best offense. I, they're just going to be bad. I think they're going to be really bad, yeah. 
like Mariota was just not good. And uh, Desmond Ritter is horrific under pressure and their offensive line stinks. So it's just, I don't see an out for them. I guess Mariota just running more. You know, and and just and keep, keeping keeping drive keeping drives alive, and like just the team as a whole running hot on like touchdown conversion. Like if you just run hot on converting touchdowns, like that can be a huge swing. Yeah, and they do have playmakers. I mean, I think London definitely has a high ceiling. Pitts is obviously a star. Patterson super efficient. It, it's just their their peripheral guys are all like useless like like you know like you know you look at the the bills or whatever and you're like you know Khalil Shakir and Jameson Crowder are like pretty fine for your fourth and fifth wide receivers or whatever and then you look at the Falcons and you're like Olamide Zacchaeus is gonna have to play 600 (laughs) snaps for this team you know for like the second year in a row I mean this team was so desperate for talent they brought in Traquan Smith as like a free agent visit and he said no to them he was like I'm not playing for you (laughs) That's where that's, that, that's that's where the Falcons are at. It's really bad. Oh man. Um the other guy uh I had was Traylon Burks, which you know, this conditioning stuff gave you the discount of a lifetime, and it still seems to be, you know, he still seems to be well he's underpriced. Not, he's, not, he's, not, he's not jetting back up, even though the coaching staff and, and everyone has been very complimentary of him since they got to training camp. Yeah, it's like the reverse gas prices situation, right? You know, the they skyrocket, then they slowly tick back down. He his ADP cratered, and now it's slowly ticking back up. So, yeah. uh, you know, try to trying to get. I mean, he could, he could, he here. could, he could totally smash, <laughs> right? Traylon Burks, I have him in eighteen percent on underdog right now, and I I could see that being light. I could see I could see me looking at myself like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? You should have taken like twenty five percent of that guy. Yeah, that's exactly what I have twenty five percent. Uh, yeah, and that's guy. where. Where I want to be. Um, both of us, both of us have nothing but yeah, on David, I, David Kitchen, who has 83% trail on Burks. Yeah. What, what has he done? Three drafts? He's, he's done, he's done 10 drafts. Okay. And taking him in eight of them. Um, <laughs> all right. Tight ends. Very, again, very curious. Don't, don't really know what your answer is going to be here. It better not be Dulcich. It's not going to be Dulcich, but it might be. Well, okay. So and this is my, my best brawl brain. I, I wanted to say Tyler Higby. Because I Higby, think he, Higby is such a good best ball pick because he's just getting 600 yards and four touchdowns like 90% of the time when they play this season and he, he covers the gaps, you know. Yeah, you're you had that uh, advance rate question a while back. I never submitted anybody, but I think my my answer would be Tyler Higby. He's just going to get you through. He's going to advance like 16% of teams just because he just is going to paper over the cracks. It's like, look at some of the guys he's going after. You know, it's like if if Tyler Higby outproduces Dalton Schultz, is anyone really surprised? We shouldn't be. Yeah. He's an every down player on the Rams. Why are we, why is he free? And they, they have gotten worse at pass catcher, you know? Like they, they have, they have holes that like Alan Rob, like I know all the coaches are going crazy about Alan Robinson, but. And, and Gerald Everett is gone. Like, who is taking this guy off the field? No one. Well, your boy Jake, Jacob Harris is converting to wide receiver now. Is he really? Yeah, he played. Yeah. This is fucking insane. He played 92% of the offensive snaps for the Rams last year. Ninety has, Is that the most of an offensive player? I would be very – I want. I kind of want to look that up. It's nuts that he's just free. It's like Gerald Everett, like, we're not even sure he has a full-time role in the Chargers offense. Are you sure you want a Chargers tight end and not a Rams tight end? I mean, I I guess maybe a slight, slight preference, but it's like there's a way more uncertainty. Tyler Higby's definitely running all the routes for the Rams. He goes after Gerald Everett. He goes like 
he's barely going ahead of like Hayden Hurst and Austin Hooper. Yeah. Like, why? It's... Why? And and also, unlike a lot of these guys, Higby has at least shown it in spurts that he can have like these gnarly games. Now it's not happened. Didn't happen at all last year, but he has multiple career two touchdown games. And I believe at least one three touchdown game, maybe two. And then there was that 2019 run where he just lost his mind and turned into Gronk for a month too. I actually think he'd be going higher if he'd never had that run. I think that run is holding down his ADP because people are like, I'm not, I'm not going to get fooled by that run again. Sure. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. So, so I think that's a good best ball answer. But not a, weirdly enough, not a guy you really want to take advantage. I, I mean, he's fine in manage. Like it's not like you're ever you're going to be killing yourself. But I'm not. I'm not like salivating over taking him advantage. No, yeah, he's not a good manage pick uh, at all. I think I'll pick Kittle for managed. Um, he's he's not as fun in man. Like he's also probably better in best ball because you're you're betting on like the giant spike weeks. But in manage, like you're you're also just going to be leaving a guy that you take this early in your lineup pretty much every week as long as he's sure. healthy so so and and a lot of weeks tight ends are shit anyways you know like like I, like honest to god tight ends who catch a touchdown are just like locked into top 12 of that of their position that week because it's so bad like this is one of reeves's big talking points of just like the bottom end of tight end is so bad right and i actually so in in a sense and this is kind of a case i'd make for aj brown as well it's like they're spiky guys, but they're also guys that you are going to leave in your lineup every single week because they're that good. The spikes are that high that you're going to catch the spike weeks and you're not going to get caught by a bunch of random mediocre dudes on best ball rosters getting slotted in. You know, your your opponents are going to have to pick the crappy wide receiver, the crappy tight end to try to catch you um, and over the course of the year. And hopefully with well-timed playoff spike weeks, those those guys are really going to separate. I think, you know, Kittle, you've got Kittle. Someone else is, is starting Irv Smith. Like I'm not sure Irv Smith is going to be someone you're, you're psyched to have in your lineup every week. Um, and Kittle, even in tight end premium is, is pretty cheap. We got him at the three eleven uh, in this main event. We just did. I mean, I, that to me seems like wildly cheap for a guy who everyone agrees is extremely talented. He's not at risk of falling off an age cliff. Uh, he hasn't been like the most healthy guy in the world, but we're not concerned about his health entering the season. And he's got a massive weekly ceiling. And also maybe the offense looks slightly different. Maybe there's some more downfield work, which I think would help Kittle to some extent. Yeah, I think you, I think you are probably right about that. What just, this is, I mean, he could maybe be included in this conversation, but where are you at on uh, Kyle Pitts? I, I considered Kyle Pitts for this, but he's more expensive. You got to get him in the second, uh, sometimes the early second of, of uh, tight end premium leagues. And, you know, I'm taking him a lot in best ball mania uh, where you can get him in like the three, four turn, um, maybe you know, kind of mid to late third most of the time, but you will see him fall to the fourth occasionally. So I'm drafting him a lot there. Uh, but yeah, it's just kind of, he's a little more expensive and I do worry about the offense as we talked about. We took pits in our first main event. And then we had a chance to take London and we're like the same thought process as you. It's like, I, I can't see them can't, getting there can't together. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my answer is, is obvious. It is uh, Alberta Kuibunum. I mean, the, the, oh. the, 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 the Dulcich, the stuff gives me a little bit of pause, right? Um, because there's a huge difference between a tight end playing 
as we were just talking about with Higby, 60% of the snaps versus 80% of the snaps is a pretty big deal. Um, but I think our, our uh, Kyle Dvorak getting a lot of mentions in this show. Uh, he he had a great tweet the other day. He was like, what has Albert Aquibunum ever done except for scoring 13 touchdowns as an 18-year-old in college, immediately earning snaps as a rookie, uh, performing well when given snaps when Noah Fant is out, recording a 4-4 at this giant size? Like, what has he ever done, right? <laughs> what has he ever done? So it's like the the thing with the, the – it's honestly, it's it's a confusing thing to me. And, and I think, you know, your point about like maybe it is like a regime change thing or something, and that is why we're hearing the Dulcich drumbeat. Or maybe Dulcich is just this incredible – generational player and i'll be i'll be wrong to be on alberto but my my i guess my my big argument would be any any box you want to check anything of like what should it what should a guy of this caliber what should he have accomplished by this point in his career like he's he's done it right he he got on the field as a rookie which is hard for tight ends to do um you know he he's been efficient when targeted good combine stuff you you don't hear any of the coaches complain about his blocking which is big for a tight end like if a tight end is a bad blocker the coaches are gonna you know hear about that stuff and I think the market is treating the Denver passing game like it is much more certain than it is you know because Sutton and Judy look we love these guys they have accomplished jack shit in the NFL I mean Sutton had one really good run Judy has just been uh, let's just call a spade a spade he's been very underwhelming as an NFL player, the most productive guy on their roster is Tim Patrick. KJ Hamler's rehabbing this injury. You know, there, there's all this stuff. And I just, my my degrees of confidence were shaken a little bit, you know, with, with all the Dulcich false flaggery. But I <laughs> I feel pretty, pretty good about the Alberto bet. I feel like it's the type of bet that if I lose, I'm I'm comfortable making it. I, I agree with you in general about the passing game. You know, we're feeling probably too certain about way I mean, the too Sutton certain. ADP really concerns me and I'm drafting Sutton like I'm in this weird position where I want to be in on this Denver passing game because I'm I'm, generally I'm not taking the... Sutton and managed I think Sutton is a bad managed pick but I don't want to leave myself like not having Sutton in in basketball but like uh, I would I would prefer a lot of guys that go around Sutton in managed I think that's an interesting thought I I don't have uh, Sutton yet we don't we didn't draft him in our either of our two main events um and so maybe I'll end up taking that same approach because I've been drafting him in best ball but I don't love the price I think he's I think he's overpriced it's just I'm not willing to really fade this passing game so I'm drafting him I'm drafting Judy I'm drafting Alberto even though uh, I am part of the false flag operation uh I'm drafting Tim Patrick which all of them I, yeah I don't think Tim Patrick's that great but like I'm pretty overweight Tim Patrick because he's so much cheaper than the other guys like really feels like someone here is going to be, you know, a league winner. So I, I'm, I don't think the Alberto one is a, is a bad call. I'm not drafting him as much as you are, but I am overweight in best ball mania, which, which may uh, be a surprise given my, my constant. Well, uh, my and constant I, I, I do, I do also think from like a main event perspective, he, I don't know if I'd want to go in with him as my first tight end. Cause I I'm pretty much have always described to I want to take one of the elite tight ends. And I think the elite tight ends being five guys this year is pretty nice. You know, being able to get Kittle and Waller in the uh in the third round. But as a second tight end who could maybe and you guys talk about this on ship chasing where he's your tight end starter and your Kittle, Kelsey, Waller, 
Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, that's your flex starter. You know, you view that as your wide receiver with the bonus points, basically. Um, I, I, I'm pretty interested in that. Well, you know, this, this false flag operation with Dulcich, which obviously, you know, it's not a false flag operation. Dulcich is, is a uh, lighting up training camp. And I do think he could be coming for Alberto a little bit. I think he, I think he legit could be a thorn in his side, but there's a chance I, that he's I, not. I do too. I do. Like, I like, like there, there, there is enough smoke there that it seems that they at least want to get him on the field a little bit, but they might want to get him on the field a little bit the way Alberto got on the field a little bit as a rookie where he did not impact no offense production at all, really. In our most recent main event, he went after David Njoku. And I like, think that's... Get out of here, dude. Get your yeah. wait, Al- Alberto or Dulcich? Alberto went after David Njoku. Get... It's like, okay, if Deshaun Watson miraculously doesn't get suspended, then sure, whatever. But like, you want to take Jacoby Brissett's tight end ahead of Alberto? Yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. I'm completely with you. He went after, uh, he went after Austin Hooper. He went after Noah Fant. Like Austin, at this point, Austin Hooper, bro. Enough. He went like around twelve oh one for Austin Hooper, thirteen oh four for Alberto. The FFPC grinders have lost their mind. You know, the the perfect thing to do when you take Russell Gage in the sixth round is to wrap it up with some twelfth round Austin Hooper. He did. Uh, he did double tap Jacoby Myers and Austin Hooper. It seems on brand. <laughs> Kind of like so the grinders. I kind of like you. I kind of do too, but he's definitely a grindery pick. I'm into it, but it's a grinder pick. Uh, it is. Yeah, no, I I think at this price, like you really can't quibble with it. Like Alberto, oh no, what if he's like uh, kind of a part time tight end? Like you mean like David Njoku's been his whole career? You know, like if he's going after Njoku, it's it's a lot harder to push back. I think when he was going, you know, more like around Gasicki, it was easier to fade him. Um, but you know, to the to the what has this guy ever done? Point like, what has Irv Smith ever done? Like for real? Like literally and, nothing. Like literally, like literally nothing. nothing. Uh, yeah. Al- and, Alberto. Well ahead of him. Alberto played more snaps last year than Njoku did in 2020. So like the like a big Njoku season that you know people remember or whatever because he had a couple he had a couple spike weeks that year. Have we had a big Njoku season that people remember? <laughs> it's been uh, well, a rough ride. The, the, the Njoku season that people remember is him coming on as a rookie. Is right, is right. that he played? He's this is how you would. This is this is some good bar trivia. Like how many years has David Njoku been in the NFL? People are like, oh, he's going into his third year, probably. Right. I thought he was like older than he was. Uh, I think I guess. Well, like he, he was, was a, way he, too was old a last time. he was a mega. Yeah, he was a twenty-one-year-old rookie, right? Which is a right. which is, you know. A boom. Isn't he like 25 or something? He's tw- he's 26. He just turned 26. Okay. But I mean, Albert O, Albert O, same deal. 20, you know, 22 year old rookie. How old is Dulcich? Is Dulcich like 19? Uh, he was a four year player, so he's probably like 22. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's I and and I mean, also another another pithy answer would be Travis Kelsey. Like Travis Kelsey just being the number one player in fantasy. I mean, I think probably if he's still physically fine, he he probably will be actually. Like if he doesn't suffer any old man type injuries, like I don't know, like why why would he not just get like eleven targets a game? You know. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously, you know, totally live to be a league winner. Uh, I think Goddard is kind of interesting. He's so much cheaper, like than some of the other guys, and he was so efficient last year kind of flash that maybe he is an elite tight end um and you know maybe he's not 
but he was actually a pretty strong prospect, second round pick, hyper efficient in college, small school, but now he's flashed that hyper efficiency. Uh, like I believe 2.23 yards per out run last season, which is elite. And he's only done it once. He's never really been anywhere near there before, but you know, sometimes we, we should buy into this it's kind of Darren Waller late in his career, flash that same elite efficiency and then follow it up by, you know, emerging as a truly tight end. So he's interesting. And then, Mark Andrews, I think, is is pretty interesting as well. As I change my you know, mind on him every day, every day. Yeah, it's a wide range of outcomes, and uh, he's an elite talent. And there's not that much target competition in the offense, so you kind of like some weird stuff. The ball has to bounce probably a weird way for the Ravens to be throwing a lot again this year. I think I'm I'm in the camp that they're going to go back to the the pre to uh, 2021 form, but you know there could be some some extenuating circumstances again this year and they start passing a bit more. And if that happens, he's going to smash because he's, he's so, so good. How bummed are we that Zach Ertz is expensive after we got so rich drafting him late last year? I haven't taken him like once. I think I literally checked the other day. I took him one. I've taken him one time in 76 teams. Uh, oh, I take, I take him because the Arizona Atlanta game stack is actually pretty good. Like week 17 dome game. Both those defenses <laughs> suck. The Ertz Allegier correlation is real Norris, it's not a bit josh norris is fair i i have let's see here i got nine percent zackert so right about right about with the field that's fine yeah i mean it, it does stink he's expensive because you want to talk about you know a rookie coming in and being the thorn in the side trey mcbride i think is a slightly oh, he's better probably gonna, than he's pro- probably gonna play yeah yeah so i i really don't get Honestly, I mean, a very, a very Ertzian type prospect, like does not do anything like super yes. flashy, but just is going to catch the ball and, and find the soft spot in the zone and sit like, like just exactly what you want him to do. Yeah. He's kind of like, he's like an Austin Hooper with maybe a little more juice or like, he's not, he doesn't strike you as someone who's going to be like that fun of an NFL player, but does profile someone who will eventually be an NFL starter. Maybe Cole Komet in that mold. He could be a problem for for Ertz. I don't think Ertz is gonna be a fun weekly starter in managed leagues. No, no. <laughs> like taking Zach Ertz in the main event is like great, dude. Tight. He went six oh two. Or sorry, no, sorry, I read it backwards. He went um six eleven. Yeah. In the main event, that seems bad. Yeah, it seems bad. Um, Evan Ingram, I don't know. It's probably about it. Evan Ingram used to be good. People forget. People do actually forget before before he got ruined by the New York Football Giants. He actually was like a pretty interesting player. I'm kind of in on the Evan Ingram stuff. I mean, I I, I like him more in best ball because uh, like he seems like he has a pretty solid role. You're not. I'm not like worried about Evan Ingram being like a hole in my roster, and uh, he probably needs to get in the end zone to really matter on a given week. But yeah. I think there's some outcomes where he's seen like a decent amount of targets because they're using him. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence made Dan Arnold a top 12 tight end last year for a stretch. The issue is Arnold's still there and uh, was, was getting some reps with the ones over the last couple of days. Ingram more so, I believe, but well, Ingram kind of a committee. Ingram will not be asked to block at all. Like they signed him as uh, to catch passes. No, but I think they have a couple other guys that are like, well, the, uh, the, the Jake the Luton guy, or whatever. Jake Luton is a quarterback. 
from Oregon State. <laughs> Jake, um, who am I thinking of? The 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 tight end they drafted from Oregon, uh, not Oregon State, Ohio State that Urban Meyer drafted. He was like they took him in like the fourth, and he played a little bit. I don't remember yeah, his name. He's a, he's also with Jake. I'm so sorry, Jake. Yeah, Jake something. He was there though. That's legit. Here. Jake Luton is a quarterback, but he is on the Jaguars. So uh, partial credit for me. Partial credit. Uh, <laughs> the guy, the guy that I am thinking of is Luke Farrell. Oh, so he wasn't a Jake. He was a Luke. A Luke. You know, like that's. And they my, got. And they got. They have. Went. They have Chris Manhurts, who is like a right tackle. He played for the Panthers right. for a while. Right. Yeah. He's he's completely a blocking tight end. Yeah. So he's Lee Smith. Yeah, but if there's kind of a you know the upside is Engram is basically kind of a Mike Jasicki, which is yeah. he's always kind of been, but he's getting used a little bit more downfield like Jasicki. Uh, well, and it's it, like it's like it's an all time it's an all time bet against the donkey spot, right? With Doug Peterson, not a great head coach, but a competent head coach, and Urban Meyer, mm-hmm. maybe the worst head coach, and he's he, like I don't know, I'm gonna find out if Trevor Lawrence is any good or not. I think you know. Well, you're getting the double bad coaching bet with Engram because he goes to an offense that might improve because Urban's gone, and he might improve because he's not he's playing for the Giants. Jo- Joe Judge and Jason Garrett. I mean, the the exactly. meeting, the meeting of the minds. I mean, can you imagine listening to these two guys talk about football? I can't imagine what Jason Garrett and Joe Judge talking about like offensive play calling was like. Is that worse, or is it worse when you go to the Patriots OC meetings and it's uh, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia. In there talking about? <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm legit worried about the Patriots. Like, they're all their stuff was so solid last year. You know, like they're yeah. I think they were seventh in DBA, and they you know they just found a way to to score points in a lot of these games. But, buddy, I mean, I guess maybe Belichick will just have a heavy hand in it, like a heavier hand on offense than he has in years past. But it feels really bad to have Matt Patricia and Joe Judge in charge of your offense. Like, how like. Yeah, everyone sort of says that like is an out for them. Like, oh, well, maybe Belichick will just kind of run it. But like, is that good? Like, I know Belichick's really smart, but like he doesn't coach offense. Like he's had McDaniels there for almost the entire time. I mean, who was running the offense while McDaniels was in Denver? Uh, Here, I will. I will tell you. Uh, Let's do let's do some. All right. So we got Josh McDaniels. so 2009 and 2010 for the Patriots. Patriots 2010 pro football reference. Is this Let's when uh, they had the, what's his face and went to Notre Dame? Uh, uh, the offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien was the quarterback's coach. Okay. And I'm Charlie not, Weiss. I'm not seeing an offensive coordinator. Dude, I'm so lost now. When was Charlie uh, Weiss there? Offensive scheme, Earhart. Per- I, I don't know. I'm lost. I'm lost now. Normally, I normally I can find this stuff really quick. Uh, 2010 Patriots offensive group. people are so tilted right now. 2010. Oh, Patriots. Charlie Weiss was early 2000s. Uh, uh, apparently Belichick was the OC in 2010. So we've done this before. How have we done this before? And I just didn't know it. That's unless wild. I'm unless right. I am unless I am reading this wrong. Yeah, no, he was he was the because the offensive coaches were. Bill O'Brien, uh, names people would know, Bill O'Brien, Brian Ferris, Brian Flores, and and uh, Chad O'Shea. But but apparent and and uh, the guy Dante Scarnecchia, who was uh, with the team forever and ever and ever, right? 
Um, he he helped. So I think they probably they've done this before. Like they did like offensive coordinator by committee, basically the last time McDaniels left. All right. Maybe and we let, shouldn't freak I, out then. I mean, I don't know. I this is this happened I would 2010, I was 18 years old. So like I don't fucking know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm misremembering, but it seems like they've done this before. It also seems like, you know, it's probably a big deal. 2011, 2011 was Bill O'Brien. Who's okay. like who's like a fine offensive coordinator, not a good head coach, but a fine offensive coordinator. Yeah, he's better than Joe Judge. Well, you know, people might remember the end of that Texans reign a little bit differently. Um, <laughs> but he got himself out as a general manager, though. He's one of the many head coaches who's gotten in trouble as a general manager. Yeah. Uh let's see. Do, do they have an offensive coordinator in 2009? Uh no, no, it was done. It was done same way, like offensive coordinator by committee. So, so for two years, at least that we know of, the Patriots were an offensive coordinator by committee, but they also had Tom Brady and I think Randy Moss, two thousand nine. Yes, uh, they. So see. they're they're the they offensive. Listen to this fucking offense they had when it was offense by committee. Tom Brady, Wes Welker, Randy Moss, Kevin Falk, and Julian Edelman, like all like just great players so a little bit different a little bit different you know nelson nelson Bourne and kendrick Aguilar and devontae parker uh are not are not wes welker and and randy moss and mac jones isn't tom brady so it could it could be a little bit worse but mac jones is good i think i i guess yeah yeah know, he is do we need like a a really sharp mind here to coach i think they're going to be a little bit boring right they're going to be run heavy i mean they were boring last year though too yeah like it's not like you were like hyped to watch patriots games last year yeah i I bet this ends up not being that that bad i guess the other thing is that we're not really invested in like a particular skill player who we need to be used correctly right like we're hoping they give Ramondre a lot of work and otherwise, it's like just and they're all they're all cheap. I mean, no Patriot player. The first Patriot player that goes is Damian Harris at like ninety two. Right. Yeah. Are you? Ta- I mean, who are we even taking in management? Like, I guess from Andre. I don't feel great about Damian, but if he got cheap enough. Hunter Henry. Yeah. Hunter Henry and I and and every week when we're doing uh, waivers, we're gonna be like, oh, you want to throw seven bucks on Kendrick Bourne. Nelson Aguilar scored a long touchdown last week. Oh, Tyquan Thornton earned a couple snaps. You know, at least I think Parker will be on waivers soon enough. Yes, yeah, Parker. Parker, I'm sure gets drafted in every manage, but yeah, he. I mean, Devontae Parker. What's the point? Doesn't seem like the most fun start in a manage league. No. (laughs) Any Patriots wide receiver in a manage league, you're just like fuck. I guess I I got three injuries and a bye this week. I guess Kendrick Bourne's going in. Yeah, the five week bids on Kendrick Bourne are gonna oh, be fun. Oh, dude, it's like it's like when I used to just uh, every week I would do waivers and put a one dollar bid on Demarcus Robinson in case you know in case like everything went wrong and we just had to start someone. Like yeah. it's it's Kendrick Bourne except he plays for the Patriots and not the Chiefs. It's like the forty dollar bid on Kendrick Bourne. You're like, let's just save the money, man. Put it at, put it at two. Yeah, put it at two. Let's see if we get him. Yeah. Uh, all right, dude. Let's let's get out of here. What's on what's on ship chasing? Ne- I guess next week, you guys. You guys drafted last night. What are what's uh what's coming up? Ship chasing and NBC Sports Edge. Well, I'm planning to uh, stream my Pros vs. Joe's draft, which is Monday night. Uh, I'm drafting against Liam Murphy. So you know, I just a, made a, a terrible room. pick in Pros versus Joe's. Leone was mocking me. What'd you do? 
I took Bateman at the four five turn because I think there's a chance Lamar gets back to me at the six seven turn, and I wanted to set up the potential stack. I I, I guess I'm kind of surprised that Lamar might get back to you at the six seven turn. Well, it's so it's just like the FFPC uh, ADP is obviously heavily influenced by manage leagues where quarterbacks get knocked down around. So right. it's like it's like who knows? I mean, Lamar probably goes in the fifth, but. We'll see. I there just was no other way for me to set up a stack without other than Joe Burrow, who I really am just fucking don't want to take him. I just am sick of taking Joe Burrow at this cost because I think it's so bad. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of doing it though. I'm not. Well, I you you have to you have to if you take T or Chase. Like you got to consider. It's like you guys had this whole conversation on ship chasing last week where you were like, we we took T and Chase. Yeah, and we have all these quarterbacks available. We should clearly take Burrow, but taking Burrow over Hurts and Mahomes and Lamar like literally feels horrible. And then we took Kyler, so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually at only a six percent Burrow in uh, in Best Bohemia, so uh, my I'm he's, clearly he's with not you. a good pick. He's just not. He's just overpriced. Yeah, that yeah, he's not a, he's not a bad pick. He just is simply he's not going to run at all. Like Brady is the better pure passer you know right by, like you know yeah i mean he can definitely hit you know like i i feel like they could be like an old school like cults offense or something you know what i mean they're supporting like the two guys yeah uh, just like he's just throwing for a ton of yards they could be that team but i'm not even sure the Bengals want to be that team so yeah they 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 were doing this in the regular season last year they kept talking about how much they wanted to like become a more conservative passing offense or whatever yeah, that's exactly what you want. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's get out of here, dude. Everyone, Pat Corain, good football show. He's streaming his pros versus Joe's NBC Sports Edge. Monday night. Monday Chip night. Chasing. NBC Sports Monday Edge. Night. Yeah. There we go. We will. Uh, we'll be back. Uh, I'll be back with Liam tomorrow. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.